are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. It's really, really good to be in church. Don't you agree? Love it. Love being here with you. It's this consistent place that we get to go week after week where we know we're going to be in the presence of God and where we experience God speaking to us over and over again. So it's not just that we sing to Him or that we worship Him, but it's like a conversation that takes place. God also speaks to us. And one of the ways that God speaks to us is through His Word. And we experience that traditionally on Sunday morning through preached Word, which is getting ready to happen now. So I'm glad that you're here. And I know it's a holiday weekend, but look at this. You're here. And I'm here. And God knew you'd be here. And so... I'm asking God this morning that something amazing would happen for you and that uh, your eyes would be open to a new uh, truth, that your ears would be open to hear something that you haven't heard before, that God would do something in your heart in a powerful way. And so I'm going to just move forward believing that God is going to answer my prayer, and I hope that it's for you, okay? So my wife Annette and I got to be with our granddaughter Sadie in Cincinnati this past week. We got to go see her. And uh, when we're at Sadie's house, when she wakes up in the morning, man, it doesn't matter what time it is. If it's really early, she takes off running down the hall and she jumps into our bed. And so I say to Annette, Annette, there's a bug in our bed and I think it's a Sadie bug, you know. And she just starts talking away. It's early in the morning. She's just excited and talking. And finally she says, Ricky, when are we going to wake up? What she really means is, when are we going to get up? Because she's woken everybody up at this point. And so we loved hanging out with her. Uh, She wanted to take us to the zoo, and so she took us to the zoo. We had a great day there. And and then she came to Nashville to see grandparents, her and my daughter Brittany did, and it was great being together. Friday, we're getting ready to drive back from Nashville to Oklahoma City, and we're saying to Sadie, hey, little buddy, here's what's up, okay? You're going to get in the car with your mommy. You guys are going to drive back to Cincinnati. And, and me and Nettie, now we have to go back to our home, home in Oklahoma. Well, Sadie is about almost five. And so she's really starting to get it. You know, she understands that, that this little party is about to come to an end. And she doesn't like that, nor do we like it. And so she starts crying. And I'm trying to buckle her in her seat. And she's saying, but I don't want it to be over, Ricky. And I'm saying... Well, Sadie, I don't want it to be over either. And so her mom is saying, can you tell Ricky that you love him? And she goes, I love you, Ricky. Can you tell Natty? And she said, I love you, Natty. And I said, hey, listen. And Annette was telling Sadie. She said, Sadie, this is really good news. Listen, okay. In just four weeks, we are going on vacation together, all of us. And we're going to be together for a whole week this time. So it's just four weeks away. And so as they're driving away, Sadie says to her mom, Mommy, I don't want it to be four weeks. I want it to be three days until we go on vacation, you know. So I don't think that that is a stretch by any means. I think as an example, it falls very short of what's happening in the text today. And that's why I share this story. The other reason I share this story is because I like to talk about Sadie to anybody who will listen. But what is happening is Jesus is saying to the disciples, okay, guys, we probably have to have a talk because I know that we've been together all this time and it's been great. 
We've seen God do some amazing things. You've been part of some awesome miracles. And the crowds have come by the thousands. It's more than we ever dreamed it would be. But I'm going to be leaving. We're not going to be together for a while. Now, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Good news is we're going to be together again. Just like I'm saying to Sadie, hey, Sadie, it's okay because we're going to get together again. Jesus is saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you where I'm going, but it's all okay. And just immediately the questions start. Thomas says, but how can we come to where we are? Because we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way to where you're going. And Jesus says, Thomas, I'm the way. And Philip says, well, why can't you just do this before you go? Why can't you just show us what God is like? Jesus says, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, here we go. Let me just talk to you for a while. And so you have almost four chapters in the Gospel of John of what you call the departure discourse. It's Jesus saying, let me comfort you a little bit in light of his pending departure. Let's talk some. Let me tell you what's going to happen next, okay? And then let me tell you how the Spirit is going to come. And that's going to be awesome because the Spirit's going to be a huge help in your life. And then Jesus tells them how they're going to carry on His work. And then He says to them, this is how I want you to live when I'm gone. And so, I don't know how you see all of that coming down, but I've got to promise you something In my mind, there is no way in the world that could not have been a very emotional discussion. And I'm sure like Sadie was saying, Ricky, I don't want it to be over. I think the disciples were saying, but Jesus, we don't want you to leave. You understand, they're not coming to see us, the crowds. They're coming to see you. You're the star of the show. It's not us. And I think if you go away, I think everything's going to change. Why why can't you just stay? And so that's the context of the passage that we're in this morning and that we were in last week. We're in the sixth Sunday of Easter. And we're talking about how that we've been raised to this new life. And today I want to talk about how we are raised to love Jesus deeply. Okay? So... Bottom line of all of Jesus' farewell conversations is simply this. To love me, to follow me, Jesus says, is to live counter-culturally. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to love Jesus, then you've got to run against the wind. You're going to be swimming upstream against the current. You're going to walk in a way that the culture around you does not walk. You're going to make decisions that the culture you're living in does not make. You're going to give in a way that culture doesn't give. If you're going to love Jesus and you're going to follow Jesus, then that means that you have to live counterculturally. So what I want to do is take you to this passage, and then we'll just kind of break it down a section at a time as we move through it, okay? So you want to open a Bible with me to John chapter 14, John 14, and I'm going to start reading with verse 23, John 14, verse 23. So here's what happens. Jesus replied to a question that one of the disciples asked, and they're asking him when he is going to reveal his true nature to the whole world, okay? Okay. And so Jesus replied, well, anyone who loves me, if you love me, you will obey my teaching. 
Now, his teaching is countercultural. okay? My Father will love them, and we will come to them. This is what I love about Jesus. He always says, I'll come to you. The Father will come to you. You don't have to find us. We'll find you. Come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me, on the contrary, will not obey my teaching. Those words you hear are not my own, Jesus says. They belong to the Father who sent me. And all of this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send... Now think about the Trinity for a moment, okay? You've got the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Father... My name, meaning the Son, Jesus. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything I've said to you. And then Jesus makes this awesome promise of peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I'm going to give you. It's a gift I'll give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So you don't have to let your hearts be troubled. You don't have to be afraid at the fact that I'm going away. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you'll believe. So this is, this is the Word of God for us today. Man, this is really good stuff. So let's, let's think about it together. So when you preach, you, you would rather not have this deal happening where somebody stands up and talks for 30 minutes and you endure them talking for 30 minutes, okay? The, the goal would be that there would be more like a conversation where uh, you're, you're challenged to think through the sermon about what's being said and that you actually engage with me in a conversation, okay? So I thought maybe the best way we could do it this morning would be something like this. So here's what I want you to do. Everybody, everybody, no exceptions. It's this, uh, an all-skate. We're all going to get involved in this one, okay? Uh, I want you to think about somebody that you know. All right, so if you're a student, it might be a friend at school. Uh, if you work somewhere, it might be a co-worker. Uh, most of us have neighbors in our community. It might be a neighbor. It might be a family member. But I want you to get somebody in your mind or maybe one or two people in your mind who do not profess to be a Christian. So this is not like you're judging people and you're saying, I don't think that person acts like a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. This would be somebody who makes no claim to be Christian, okay? Uh, they, would, they, would not, they would not claim or profess to be Christian, okay? So, so do you have somebody like that in your mind? If you have somebody like that in your mind, just so I know that we're all involved, would you just raise your hand? Would you do that if you've got somebody in mind? Anybody having trouble thinking of somebody? Anybody saying, yeah, I can't, it's hard to think of somebody? A few people are. So here's what I want you to do. Once you get that person in your mind, here's the question I want you to really walk through, okay? How is your life different than that person who does not profess to be a Christian? And I want you to think about it from two different angles, okay? I want you to think about it from what you see, okay? But I also want you to think about it from someone else's perspective who knows both of you. So if it's a family member, it might be another family member. Or if it's a co-worker, it might be another co-worker. Or if it's a student in school, it might be another student. 
how do you see your lives different? And the people around you, how do they see that the two of you are different? Okay? So I don't want you to just answer it this way. Well, I go to church and they don't. Because that, that's good that you go to church. I love it that you go to church. It's really great that you go to church. Don't stop going to church. But beyond that, do, do they look at your life and say, big difference? Or do they look at the two of you and say, eh? And what do you see when you look at their life compared to yours? Do you say, huge difference? Or do you say, not so much? Because there should be a difference. And what John does all the way through his gospel, now this is where we're at this morning, John. John, all the way through the gospel, draws this distinction, okay? And he draws a distinction between, and it's like a line over here, over here, followers of Jesus and what he calls the world, okay? So it's the word that he uses over and over and over and again, and we find it in this passage, all right? So the world. So let me, let me talk to you about what John means by the world, that word, W-O-R-L-D. And the prologue is the first time that we see it in verse 9. Um, I'm sorry, I, I, I left out this verse and I meant, I meant to give it first. So let me stop here and then I'll go to John, okay? Um, this is what the disciple asked him and this is where the distinction is really visible. But Lord, a disciple asked, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? So, so when the, the disciple asked the question, he's kind of saying, you, you've shown it to us, those of us who follow you. What about everybody else? When are they going to get the big picture, okay? Now, in John chapter 1, verse 9, here's what he says. The true light, meaning Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the... Okay? So Jesus was coming into the world. Go back to that other slide, if you will. Back one. Yeah. Coming into the world. He was in the... Okay. You can go to the next one now. And though the world was made through him, okay, so meaning the created order, when he uses the word world, he's talking about the created order, but he also uses it this way, but the world did not recognize him. And so when he says the world did not recognize him, he means something else. So let me go to the next slide. Here's what he's trying to say, okay? When he says the word world, he means the whole created order, meaning the mountains and the trees and the sky and the sun and the moon, and the rivers, and the land, and everything else, all of this creation. But he's also referring to the people who live in it, the people who inhabit the world, okay? However, he also means by that same word, those who have rebelled against God. So, so it's this idea that, that there are that people who follow Jesus, but then there is the world, people who don't follow Jesus. So, so when I was a kid growing up, there was this word that I didn't really like to hear. I would say, hey, Mom, why can't we do that? And she'd say, because it's worldly. Anybody ever heard that in their lives? Yeah, some others. 
And, and I get it. I know what she was saying. She was saying, yeah, Jesus followers, we really don't do that, you know. So you've got Jesus followers and then you've got the world. So think about it with me for a minute, okay? Um, God loves people even people who are living in rebellion against God or people who don't pay God any attention or people who aren't interested in knowing Jesus or people who um, are pretty comfortable living some other way. And, and here's how John says that. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. So you've got people who follow Jesus and people who don't. Now here's the question that we have to ask. How is my life different from those who do not follow Jesus? So, so what do you mean by different? I don't mean different as in you're just weird, you know? Because we can pull that off without following Jesus, right? I'm not talking about like different in the sense that, uh, you know, that's, that's not attractive at all. I'm talking about difference in the sense that people look at you and go, there's something different about that person. I don't have it figured out. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't completely understand it, but I like that. What, what is it about you that makes you different in a way that people are drawn to you, not repelled from you? What is it that's different about you that people say, I don't know that person really well, but that seems like a really good person. Different in a way where people kind of walk away from spending time with you going, I could hang around that person some more. Different in a way where people look at you and go, Maybe I could be more like that person someday. That kind of different. It's the Jesus kind of difference. Now Jesus doesn't leave us wondering what we do with this kind of conversation. Uh, he moves us forward, okay? I was playing in a golf outing recently. I, I love to play golf. It's, it's really one of my just favorite fun things to do. And, uh, and I was playing in an outing with three of my really good friends recently and and I don't know what's going on with these guys behind us. They kind of run up on us quickly. There are three of them. They're a little bit older than us. And um, and they hit into us. So if you don't play golf, it's okay. I can make sense of this. Uh, you're standing in the fairway. You don't just start hitting balls at people because you could hurt somebody with a golf ball, right? But they do. They just start. They all three hit their drive. And we're in the fairway when they're hitting their drives. And they're hitting up here from the senior tees, and so they're just firing bombs at us, you know. And we're like, we turn around like, what, what are you doing, you know. We get on the green, and I'm putting, and a ball comes rolling right by me. They hit onto the green. You would never do this. This is just horrible golf etiquette. This is, And they're laughing really loud, and, and one of them says, he's 80 years old. He didn't think he could hit it that far. Well, why would you try if you got people on the green, you know. And so we walk off the green, just kind of like, that's, that's really strange, but whatever. The next hole is a par three. We hit onto the green. 
Once we get up there, we just kind of all stand to the side and we just kind of wave them to play through. It's golf etiquette. If you're playing slower or something, you can let people play through you. You guys just play through. So we wave them on. They hit up onto the green. Here they come and they pop off to us. The one guy says, why are we playing through you guys? Would somebody tell me? Here's what you want to say. Because you're being a jerk. Right? That's what you want to say. But, but I'm with these three guys. And you know what these three guys are? They're Jesus followers. And so they don't think like that. I was so proud of them. I was so impressed with them. Here's what was said. Oh, there's three of you. There's four of us. You'd have to wait. Just go ahead and play through. No big deal. And the other guy pops off again and says, he's 80 years old. We didn't think he could hit the green. And another guy goes, no problem. Just kind of tips his hat. And here's what the guy does. He looks at us and says, we're good. And my buddy says, we're good. And he says, really? And he says, yeah. And the old guy that hit the ball, the one who was 80 years old, he comes walking over and says, I'm sorry, I shouldn't hit that ball. I knew better than that. They start apologizing to us. We'd already decided if we had to throw down, I was taking the 80-year-old guy because I got the bad hip. And I'm thinking if I can wrestle him to the ground or something, you know, I got a pretty good chance of getting him, you know. The third guy who hasn't said anything says, I'm going to come over here and shake your boy's hands. We, okay, we'll shake your hand. That's fine. But the fight just went away. There was nobody to argue with. And, and, and it's because you've got some guys who live differently. They... They run against the wind. They swim upstream. They, they live not the way culture says you live, but they live counter to their culture. And for me, it was an awesome experience to watch the whole thing just unfold. So here's what happens in the story. Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. So you want to know what the very basic issue is? Here's the very basic issue, okay? Here's the bottom line. Here's the difference in people who follow Jesus and culture, okay? People who follow Jesus and love Him obey His teaching. And so you might ask, then what is at the heart of Jesus' teaching? And so Jesus does not leave you wondering. One day somebody says, Jesus, tell us what is the greatest commandment. And Jesus says, well, it's not like that, guys. It's not like there's a number one and a number two and a three and a four and a five. It's not like that. Sixteen and hundred and thirteen commandments. Jesus says, let me do this for you. I'll just give you a couple of summary statements, okay? Let me just pick two that sums everything up. And here's what he does. He says, you want to know what the greatest commandment is? It's like this. It's kind of a summary of all the commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, 
with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And then he says the summary thing. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What he's saying is, this is what it's always been about. All through the Old Testament, all of the commandments, it was only about two things. Loving God and loving other people. And so I don't care where you are, what you're going through, what's happening in your life, what your situation is, what you're being confronted. You've only got one question to ask yourself. In this moment, what does it mean to love? What does it mean to love God and what does it mean to love somebody else? And so my buddies had one question to answer. In this situation, where these guys really are kind of being jerks, what does it mean to love them and to love God? That's all. So you're going to be in a situation tomorrow, and you're going to be in a situation the next day, and the next day. And you're going to only have to answer one question to obey the teachings of Jesus. In this situation, what does it mean for me to love God and to love this person? That's it. Well, what about all that other stuff? You don't have to worry about all that other stuff. Everything hangs on those two, Jesus said. It's all it's ever been about. It's all it will ever be about. In this moment, what does it mean to love? To love God and to love this person. That's the only code. See, see, that's, that's what it's like to live counterculturally according to Jesus' way. Now, I know what you're saying. So I'll say it out loud since I'm the only one who has a microphone. This is hard. I know it's hard. Because what you want to say is, why are we letting you play through? Because you're being a jerk. That's why. That, I mean, that, that comes really natural, right? Rick, I mean, I want to live this way. I try to live this way. Believe me, many times I do not get it right. I want to live this way too. But it's really, really hard. It's really simple. It's easy to understand. But it's really difficult. And so Jesus says, I already thought of that. So here's what I've done. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name... Here's what He's going to do for you. Next slide. He's going to teach you all things. You're going to have a teacher. You're going to have your own personal tutor. It's called the Holy Spirit. And He will remind you. He's going to bring to your memory all those things that I've said to you. What you've learned about Jesus all of your life. I'm going to remind you when you get in those situations. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you. He's going to be your helper, your tutor. He's going to guide you along. And He's going to remind you of everything. That I've said to you. Isn't that awesome? Just awesome. And so what Jesus does in this passage is He promises us that there is this new intimacy that we can have with God through the Spirit. And He tells us that God the Father and the Son is going to come and live in us through the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to help us. You're not on your own. It's not like you've got to figure this out by yourself somehow. Go do it. Just make it happen. No, no, no. The Spirit is a gift and the Spirit will help you. All right, so, so this is where we are. 
To follow Jesus, to love Him, is to live counterculturally. Right? And so what is the difference in the way I live and the way people who don't know Jesus live? Well, it's this way of love. It's asking this one question every time in every situation. What does it mean to love God and that person in this moment? And here's the why that Jesus gives us, okay? Um, I found this the other day and I loved it. I thought you might like it too. You know what I've noticed about second service? You don't laugh as loud as first service. I mean, in first service, they're slapping their knees, you know. I mean, it's just, they're high-fiving each other. I think the reason I thought it was funny is because it's just, it's just the obvious. It's just, well, you're not supposed to taste soap. You already know that, you know. Dove chocolate tastes way better than their soap. And we laugh at that because it's the obvious. Jesus gives us something, and I think it's something we already know. Here's what he says. I'm going to give you something, my peace. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not, oh my goodness, what am I about to read? Are you seeing these words in front of me? I do not give to you as the, wow. And that's what most of you already know. You can follow the world But it cannot give you this. Next slide simply says there are some things the world cannot give you. And here's what's interesting. Some of you are going, been there, done that. You don't have to tell me. I tried it. And when I followed the way of the world culture... I did not find peace. I found turmoil. I was a mess. And it was when I came back to Jesus that I found peace. And so, yeah, I marched to this different drummer. Uh, I live counterculturally. Uh, Rick, I'm a believer. I, I ask one question. What does love ask of me in this moment? But man, the peace that that brings me, it, it's worth more than it costs me. And so I was thinking this week about this and, and wondering, you know, just about a great example. And, and I don't know, when you think about retiring someday, and some of you are so young, you don't even think about retiring. But if you try to go there, what's it look like? And for a guy like me, it might look like a lot of golf or it might look like a lot of time with my grandkids and I don't know, a lot of ice cream or something. You know, something nice and restful and, you know, good stuff. I don't know. What do you think it looks like? So we've got this couple who has been a part of our church for years and years. Their names are Doug and Margaret Eaton. I want to keep them in front of you because I want you to continue to pray for them. Do you know that they are retired and it's like go live life and play golf and tennis and be with your grandkids and... All the things that you should do when you retire. But you know what they're doing? They have moved themselves to Africa. Why go to Africa, which is so far away from your family? You're retired for heaven's sakes. Play some golf and tennis.
No, we're doing something that's kind of countercultural. Because our lives look a little different than everybody else's. Because in this moment, what does it mean to love these people and to love God? We think it means to move there and to serve them. And so we're okay with that. We can do this for a few years of our retirement. And I've been with them when they get up early in the morning, they work till late at night. It's not a picnic. This is not a sightseeing tour. They're working hard. They've got probably eight or nine projects going right now. They are going every day, all day long. They make me tired when I hang out with them. And I'm getting ready to leave a few weeks ago when I was there with them, or months ago. And I had this thought early that morning, I'm going home. And they have to stay. And so when they picked me up at the hotel and I jump in the truck to head off that day, I said, you know, I felt a little sadness inside. I, I realized I'm going home. You guys aren't. They both kind of turn around. I'm in the back seat of the truck and they both kind of look at me and they go, we don't want to go home. We want to be here. Good things are happening here. God's doing a lot of stuff here. We can't leave. We feel like this is where God wants us. And we love it. It's, 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 this, it's, this, it's this way of living that doesn't seem to add up when you do the math. But when you live the life, it's incredible. Why don't you just put those three golfers in their place? Eh, you could. But the other way was a lot better. So, follow Jesus' way. You know, live counterculturally. <laughs> Jesus did. You know, ask this one question in every situation What is love asking me to do? Love for God and love for that person. And the peace that it brings is truly unbelievable. I want to pray for you. So, Father, thank You for Your Word. And thank You for um, the life that You've called us to. And for truly the life that it brings. It's awesome. The hard part in this passage is that line that says... But if you don't love me, you don't really take on this way of life. And I get it. Why would you? But Father, help us to embrace this life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.